0: This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Very, very bad <laughs> outing by Garrett Cole. number of Yankee fans a little concerned about the Ace uh, because you know Gordon when he's been bad, he's been really bad. Yeah, when
0: hes it's almost like a country song. When he's been bad, he's been worse, Larry. Uh, it. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he is able to uh, figure things out quickly enough to uh, get things rem- – you know, it's one thing to give up a three-run home run in the first and still go six innings and give up four runs. Uh, that has not been the case for him at times. Now, again, it's been five starts. Uh, and in fairness, if he went out and, and, and went today and pitched seven innings of one-run ball – He's not going to prove anything, you know, for other people like, well, you know, if he does this in the postseason, there's nothing he can do until he pitches in the postseason and pitches well in the postseason to prove to you that he's going to do well in the postseason. So these regular season starts, if he pitched well, you'd still say, yeah, but he's got to do it in October. It's true. So I don't know that necessarily I, I can, you know, all freak out, but it is fair that he has had five starts this year that have been downright bad, and he has not been able to, as an ace, you're supposed to figure out a way around that, and he has not done that.
1: By the way, Robbie, Aaron Judge has played in 102 of 106 games so far this year. I'll take that. That's available. That's availability, my friend.
0: Now, now, look, he has pinched hitting a couple of them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, maybe it's a little bit less than that. Maybe it's 98 games. But mm-hmm. if, you can have, if you can tell me that you have a plan to have Aaron Judge healthy for 145 regular season games and the postseason, whatever that
1: plan is, I will sign for that right now. Because that's what you wanted anyway. That was the decision. About, what were Yankee fans saying? Well, I don't want to give him a contract. He's not healthy all the time. I don't know about his availability. Well, you know about his availability the past two seasons. Absolutely. He's been there. He's held up his end of the bargain. Absolutely. And I'll be fair. I was one of those Yankee fans. I, I
0: didn't and, want him to well, sign for before you the not? season. Right. I wanted another full year of showing me he can stay healthy. And he has done that. And, and he has done that, I mean, to the extreme, right? He's not just yeah. healthy. He's been better than ever.
1: Yeah. And, and how could you criticize Boone for the way he's rested him? It's worked. For, I mean, again, if he, worked. If, he, if he went out and played
0: every single day and got hurt, you know, not to single out Robbie, but Robbie would be the first one to be calling up. Oh, don't they know they got to rest this guy? He's a brittle guy. What are they doing playing him every single day? So it's all about keeping him healthy and getting him ready for the uh, for, for the playoffs and, and making sure he's in a good spot. And I don't think a day off today, day game after a night game with a day off tomorrow is the end of the world.
1: And some of our very intense fans would have had a conspiracy theory they're playing him all the time because they want his numbers to suffer so they won't have to pay him as much
0: oh look the conspiracy theorists larry they'll, they'll figure out a way they started where they want to finish and then they work their
1: way back to figure out the facts <laughs> brian's in west palm brian you're next on 98 7
2: how are you doing there um, i just i have a couple of points please don't don't cut me off uh i think it was an indictment of aaron hicks with the trade of Jordan Montgomery, when you're bringing in Bader, you know what I'm saying? You need, you know, the old cliche, you need more pitching. You're, you know, you can never have enough pitching. So I was a little struck by that because Jordan Montgomery is, at best, a third starter. But if you're going to trade somebody like that, you you're you have to upgrade and get a, a, at least another starter or a really, really good bullpen guy from the St. Louis Cardinals. Number two, with Aaron, Aaron Judge today, you know, if you want to rest him, just DH him, you know what I'm saying, if you want to do rest. And another point, uh, I was a little uh, – I was uh, I was disappointed the Yankees – when you have players like Volpe and the rest of these guys, when I look at the, the Yankees' uh, minor league roster, they're still – even though they're, they're top five in, in, in uh, as far as their minor league organization, they're still prospects, and I would say two out of ten may really make it. So I mean, I would have gone, gone for it and given up a uh, Volpe or a Sweeney for a Castillo. You know what I'm saying? I just want to know your your comments on that because, and I have to agree, I'm not an Aaron Boone fan. He's too much in the in in the, in the statistics and the guys upstairs and the computer room where you know I play baseball for Florida State. It's what you see on the field. I just wanted to, you know, vent my my uh you had another call before that I agree with. I'm not a big Aaron Boone for he's too right, much. Ryan, I hear you.
1: Thanks for checking in. And listen, I, I, I got it. But I, I I think it's it's not just one way or the other, right, Gordon? You can be you can use because numbers have always been involved in baseball. I don't know why people just think that when we talk about sabermetri- sabermetrics now that, well, now let's just go by the numbers. There have always been numbers in baseball. Managers have always had little books where they had different numbers and stats and certain situations about what pitcher does well in key situations and moments like that. Now, if you're telling me you're not happy with the marriage between the two, that it's one-sided, okay, that's another story. But to say that you know he's, he's only doing the numbers, he's not only doing the numbers. And... Gordon, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Are you what thirty six games over five
0: hundred? I'm not sure what it is at this specific moment, but yes, you would think that they were thirty five games under five hundred, Larry, with the way people are going on here. Uh, and look, I hate to break it to you guys, the, the battle over analytics is over. Yeah, you guys lost. Uh, mm-hmm. All the teams are you. All the successful teams are using. It. Now, look, you can argue that they're not reading the numbers right. But a reliance on the numbers, that is how baseball has gone, and that battle is done. They're never yeah. going back to playing it by your gut or playing it by – even the Mets, even with Buck Showalter, the Mets have an analytics department. Now, he mm-hmm. has he has the ability to push back on it. That's fair. But this idea that, oh, you know, we have to get rid of these numbers, it's just because you don't understand them. And and just take, go on the Internet, take a look at them, and, and they might make some sense to you. I don't know. Um but I think that the battle over the whole analytics, the the, the, the boogeyman that is the analytics. Oh, my God. The, they're too into the numbers. All the successful teams are into the numbers.
1: Yeah, they are. And and you know why? It works. <laughs> That's why right. they're into
0: the right. numbers. Like, everybody points out when they shift and it doesn't work. They never point out the thousands of times where they shift and the <laughs> defender is right where the guy, you know, the ball goes right to where the defender was standing. So,
1: and the uh, other point he made too, uh, Gordon, about listen uh, about Aaron Hicks, and and I will say to you, listen, uh, they need a center fielder, Gordon, that will give you some production in the case that Aaron Hicks gets hurt because he has been the player that's gotten yeah. hurt a lot. But I don't know what you need to give up, George Montgomery, for that type of player.
0: I mean, for a back, you know, for for a center fielder who um, is is basically a, a defensive replacement. Uh, now, look, he's got a better bat than than uh, just simply a, a defensive replacement, but he's not ready now. You're I mean, I, the Yankees are taking took a shot on two guys that have had had some serious kind of injuries mm-hmm. to deal with. You know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Montas, you know, he said I think what one start since he came back from the IL. Um, now, his velocity was good, but it was a shoulder thing. I mean, they're relying on him a lot. And uh, obviously with the guy that's uh, on the injury list, you know that it's a concern when part of that trade was the Yankees got a player to be named later, and it's based on if, if uh, Bader plays at all. Right. So if he doesn't play, then the Yankees get something else in that deal because he's missed a, 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 he, He's not expect Best case scenario, he's not expected back until September. So. Yes.
1: It's not what you want.
0: And and you know what? Like just the trading of Montgomery, I just feel like somebody in the rotation is gonna come down hurt.
1: Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Like just
0: you know I mean like when it rains it pours, like, oh, we just got rid of Montgomery. Well, we don't really need him all that much, and then all of a sudden, you know,
1: somebody'll have a sore shoulder or a sore elbow the next day. Yeah, you might be right. Marvin's in the Bronx. Hey Marvin.
3: Hey Larry, what's good? What's up, Gordon? Look, I want to dedicate this phone call to one of my favorite broadcast icons. Vince Scully, may he rest in peace. But my favorite Vincent, Vince Scully story is how he started in broadcasting. He finished Fordham, and he was, he was walking by the CBS building, and he bumps into Red Barber, who became his mentor. And he says he wants to go into broadcasting. Red Barber takes his name. And in the wintertime, Red Barber was doing a football show where they went to city to city. Now, keep in mind, TV wasn't that big at that time. It was radio. And Red Baller needed a spot for, no, like, let's say, the city of Cleveland. He says, I need another broadcaster. And he thought about Scully, and the rest is history. Uh, rest in peace, my man. Great voice. Uh, he did the 1956 Don Lawson game on TV by himself with no color person. He was the, the epitome of grace and what broadcasters strive for, and he will be missed.
1: You're right, Marvin. Thanks for the phone call. Right. Great memories. Great memories.
4: I think they did fine. You know, they added depth, they got better, they plugged some holes. I know, you know, I've talked with Buck Walter in recent weeks, and you know, we've had a conversation about the whole thing about adding a left-hander. And the fact is, is there's just not many left-handers who you bring in and feel confident that they could go through three batter sequence. Uh, a right-hander, two right-handers mixed in, a pinch hitter, that sort of thing. So it didn't surprise me that in the end, they didn't get that guy, because I don't know how many of those guys actually exist. Buster Olney
1: was on DPA turn Rothenberg this morning on the Mets missing out on adding a left-hander at the deadline. Hardesty and Damer here on ESPN New York tonight, the early edition. 1-800-919-3776. We'll talk about the Mets in a minute. Let's finish up our Yankee calls, Gordon, because when we talk about what the Mets didn't get at the deadline, that's I'm still a little, I'm, I'm, I'm better than I was last night, but I'm still not, I'm not happy. I'm not happy. Well, you, 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 what did you say last
0: night? How many home runs has Vogelbach hit here since he's got here today? Boom, grand, grand slam. Slammed. So there you yes. go, right? It makes yep. you feel a little bit better. It's all based on performance. And it if is. the Mets go in and, and win, you know, four or five against the Braves or three or five against the Braves here, you'll feel even better. If they go out and they lose three or five, you won't feel as You'll, you'll, you'll go back to the trade deadline and say, wait a second, we we missed an <laughs> opportunity there. You know me.
1: I'll be saying it. <laughs> and you will not be alone. <laughs> you will have plenty of company. I might be yelling it. Vincent's mm. in the story. What's up, Vince?
5: Uh, gentlemen, thank you for having me on. I enjoy your show. I like the fact that one of you guys are you know is a Mets fan, the other is a Yankee fan. I'm actually a Mets fan, but I'm calling up uh, about Garrett Cole. And I-, I will say I have been one of the few that have kind of given him the benefit of the doubt. You know, last year when he lost the game to Boston, uh, you know, hammy, COVID, whatever, whatever the excuses are. I kind of gave him the benefit of that, but, uh, I think you stole my thunder a little bit earlier, uh, Gordon, when you said when he's bad, he's really bad. And when, uh, you know, when you have a true ace, like you look at guys like, uh, like you go back to the 15 playoffs when the Mets, uh, went to the World Series and they were playing the Dodge, and the Ground did not have his A game, but, he gutted it out and gave us six quality innings for that win. I don't see that in Cole. You know, he's the t- type of prima donna that, oh, but, you know, the, the opening day was delayed, you know, there's an excuse. You know, he has all these little things that a true A and his demeanor on the mound, you know, is not is not ace material. So I, I, I am no longer confident that he will be the man come, you know, the playoffs. And I think they're going to be at a huge disadvantage whenever they're facing you know the other teams ace in the you know in the first game of the playoffs, whether it be a Verlander or whoever it may be. Um, and the other point I want to make real quick, I, I think the Yankees are in big trouble with Judge because they're going to have to pay him. They don't have a choice. Regardless of what it is, it's not going to be worth it. Look at every long-term contract, including Cole. He's not worth it. But look at the Trouts of the world. Look at the Harpers of the world. Great players. Great. And what happens when Harper leaves the Nationals? They win a World Series. Um, and I love Trout, generational player, but... He has won. He has won no playoff uh, games uh, series, and he's made to the playoff once. So they're going to have to pay Judge, and it's just not going to be worth it. I look forward to your uh, responses. Thank you. Hey, All right, Vincent. I, thanks for I
0: the don't phone know call. if you know that. That's a good question that Vincent brings up. They have to pay Judge. I, I don't know if there's a, uh if there's a number that somebody puts out there. If it's close, yes, the Yankees have to play him. But if there's some crazy number, I don't think that the Yankees have to match that. If some team comes up, I don't think the Yankees are going to offer him $300 million. I don't think the Yankees are going to offer him 10 years. Uh, I think they'll find some, some middle ground on that. Uh, but if some team does say 300 for 10 years, I don't know that the Yankees will necessarily match that. And they will get, they'll get hammered. They'll get uh, they'll get a crazy amount. That will be more criticism than Brian Cashman has ever gotten over any singular move in his 25 years running the team. I don't know if they have to sign him though. But I hear what he's saying about Cole, and and I don't think it helps Cole that he just happens to be in a town that has Jacob DeGrom and now Max Scherzer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that does does, he him. does not he does not compare favorably to either of those guys. Even Scherzer who, look, most of his work has come before he got here. But even this year, right? Like, he missed yeah. time. He he was he was awesome before he left. He was awesome since he's come back. He picked up right where he left off. So uh, that does not help Garrett Cole either. But, no, mostly it's about Cole pitching a whole lot better than he has in those five or six starts.
1: Plus, to be fair, baseball is is not a sport where one guy does everything, Gordon. No, so, it's not. You know, Trout, I hear what you're saying about the Trout deal. I'm hearing what the examples you gave. I hear you. But, you know, then the next thing is to build pieces around that you give that guy protection in the lineup, okay? Look look at what San Diego did. This is the perfect example, Gordon. They didn't just get Soto. They got Soto and Bell all right, and Tatis. So they have have a litany of people where, okay, you got to go. You talk about for pitchers looking at this to say, where's my rest spot in the order? (laughs) Number five or six, maybe? (laughs) You know, so it's incumbent upon you. Yeah, and it's going to be tough the more you have to spend on your superstar. I got it. But then again, you still have an obligation to fill your roster and your lineup with other talent. This is not the NBA where if, if I have LeBron James, right. okay, I, I'm in good shape. Even yep. even with LeBron James, I got to get some other people because he's not going to win it by himself. And baseball is even more of a of a team sport. Gordon,
0: yeah, you can't you can't hide the weaknesses like you can maybe in other sports. Right, you can have other people help during plays. You can have uh, you know other guys step up during plays. In baseball, you're only as strong as your weakest link. So if you have a, uh, you know, two or three major stars, and look at the Angels, they have two or th- two mm-hmm. of the biggest stars in the sport, both having great seasons, and they're no place. They again, as I brought up before, they are the worst team in baseball that is trying to be good. Uh, so it just shows you you have to
1: have a complete team, and if you don't have a complete team, you're going to get exposed over the course of the season. I mean, because once again, you have no control. I mean, am, am I am absolutely with? W- I know LeBron's going to be on the floor the final mm-hmm. two minutes. Yep. I know that Tom is going it. to be behind the behind the, behind center final minutes of the game. Aaron Judge may not come up. <laughs> it's heard in the batting order. Gordon may not come up in the ninth inning when I need him up. Or if he comes up, you know, if nobody
0: else is hitting around him, I'm not going to let him beat me. No, I'll walk him. Right. You can't do that in the other
1: sports. No, you can't. You can't. So it's kind of less scripted. So it's really, you really need a team effort. Uh, when it comes to being successful in baseball, uh, Simon's in New Haven. What's up, Simon?
5: Hey guys, how you doing? I'm how doing are better, you? Simon. Um, I wanted to make some comments about Jordan Montgomery, if I may. Sure. Go ahead. Well, you, you see, people seem to forget, though. I mean, every time, you know, Montgomery went on the mound, he pitched his heart out and he pitched his soul out for this team. And he never got any respect or run support. I think it's great. I'm glad they traded him because I said he should be traded to the minor leagues, not to the Cardinals. But, I mean, it seems like it's almost like a conspiracy against him. They don't want to score runs. I mean, Susan Waldman said it best. What does Montgomery have to do to get some run support, help a lady across the street, give blood? I mean, come on. Every time he, he t- has the ball, he pitched it. He kept us in the but game.
4: Mean, you we got you no yourself run support.
0: said you wanted to see him get traded to the minor <laughs> league. I, I know, wait, wait, Boy, that talk about being on two sides of the argument. That's a good job by Simon there. That's
1: outstanding. That's he, he pitched good. his heart out. He didn't deserve to get traded to the Cardinals. He should have been traded to the minor leagues. Yeah. So in other words, I wanted to keep him in the organization. Right. But I didn't want to see him at the major. Listen, there's always a pitcher on some staff, Gordon, every year. That is the hard luck guy. Mm-hmm. That, the, that the offense just doesn't come around for him. It just doesn't. But I think here's what, just from an outsider, Gordon, not a Yankee fan, just from watching games. I think they may have gotten frustrated or they lost faith in him. I don't know. But, Gordon, his inability to put people away yeah. after two strikes was something that was, unfortunately for him, consistent. I think they
0: viewed him as just a guy, you know, like he yeah. was just a guy, and he was a guy that they had, and they liked him, and he, you know he served a role. but they, I, I think that they looked at Bader as a way to make a difference in terms of the defense and center field. He was the best guy in terms of that. and it just feels like that they had another deal lined up and it just fell apart. and they could have replaced, they could have replaced Montgomery, but that's the, that's the real issue that I have here. Not so much that they traded Montgomery, but they didn't re- replace him. With yeah. something, if they would have replaced him with something, then I think I would have felt a little bit better about it.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know they didn't. So now they now the question becomes, and listen, uh, Cole's outing today doesn't make you feel much better no, about the depth of your not. rotation, because now you're really concerned about him. And unfortunately, and, and because we're creatures of, of recent recent memory, Gordon, recent of uh, recent situations, unfortunately, what do we think of when we think of Garrett Cole in the postseason? we're going to think of his last outing. Absolutely. Up in Boston. That's what we're going Absolutely. to say. Absolutely. He could have been great for two or three outings before. Okay, mm-hmm. years before. He could have won the Cy Young last he year. Could have won he, the Cy Young.
0: If he wins the Cy Young and still has that same outing, nobody's going to remember the Cy Young. Everybody nope. what the day the Cy Young gets announced, oh yeah, sure he won the Cy Young, but what about that start in
1: Boston? That's what uh-huh. everybody's going to be saying. That's right. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And Gordon, not only that's what they'll be saying, that's what they said. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> what about right. that start
0: in Boston? Well, no, I mean, nobody, it, it feels like nobody even remembers that he had, uh, you know, that he finished second of the Cy Young last year. It, does, it, it doesn't feel like it to me. Like, you bring it up and people are like, oh, no, but it was only about Boston. No, I mean, he, he did have an overall very good season last year, but mm-hmm. you make that money, you're, the, you're supposed to be the final piece, and the team doesn't get there, and you're a big reason why, you're, you're going to hear about it for a very long time.
1: And Gordon, rightfully so. Of course. Absolutely. Rightfully That's so. part
0: of the game, man. That, that is so. part of the game. Absolutely.
1: You got to produce. And the more you make, the more pressure it is. And, one, and what do we always say? You are judged by how you perform when the light shines brightest. And yeah, absolutely. It, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. So hopefully he gets a chance to rebound and be a little better. On the ESPN app this morning. At about oh, six, seven in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Want to see if if the ground was okay. <laughs> yeah. You,
0: you didn't get any alerts overnight? <laughs> no alerts. I was good. Did you have to get up to go to the bathroom and just check the phone quickly to make sure exactly. there was no blips, right? There you go. That's it. I hear that's you. It. That's it. That's the way that's it's it. going to be for a little while. I know. But he's going to start against Atlanta, so. Sunday. Yeah. Right back out there. Mm-hmm. So I mean, right? I mean, it, it, we've started right.
1: Like, there's no point holding back now. Full yep. steam ahead. That's right. 75 pitches, Gordon. In, in case you know, looking ahead for. for yeah, I think I'm out Gordon. of that game. I
0: got I, I I got burned last night after the six strikeouts. Mm-hmm. But you know, I needed that extra half strikeout. Didn't happen. Didn't get so, you. Huh? Now they, they, look, that's why they call it gambling. I don't know how they know. Like, how do they know that this is where it's going to land? <laughs> how do they know, Larry?
1: I don't know. I don't know. But, but they, they know. You. They're, they're, no, they good. got.
0: They, they look. They're good. They're, you know. There's none of those casinos going out of business, right? No. Nope. They're making mm-hmm.
1: money. They sure are. They surely are. Uh, Richard said Manhattan. Hey, Richard.
6: Hi, Larry. Hi, Gordon. Gordon, if I asked you guys, Larry, if I asked you, Cashman and Boone, right now, if they can trade coal for Castillo, straight up. Do you think the Yankees would do it? No, Larry. Do what do not. you say?
1: No, I don't think so
6: either. No. no. All right. Uh, as far as uh, you know, they played the clip. Uh, you guys played the clip. ESPN. When Colfax strikes out Harvey Keen, the last batter in the perfect game in '65, mm-hmm. I remember that game. The Dodgers only got one hit in that game. One nothing. They won the game. Uh, they beat the Cubs, who were terrible, and the pitcher for the Cubs. Uh, Hundley, his name was Bob Hundley, pitched a one hitter, and the Dodgers scored on a double play, I think, and that was it. Lou Johnson, I think, drove in the run or got the only hit. He got the only hit. You know, it was ironic when, when uh, uh, Hank Aaron hit the homer, the 714 or 715 homer against the Dodgers and Al Downing, Buckner was in left field, and. Uh, he saw the ball go over his head. It was caught by the pitcher, the relief pitcher on the Braves, Tom House, if you remember. And uh, ironically, 12 years later, Scully called the Met game when the ball went. Mookie Wilson hit the ball that went through Yep, he played road. it earlier. Yep. Yeah. You know, Larry, let me just get one quick thing. You know, I was reading on Bill Russell. It fascinates me. Do you know his first championship uh, series that he played in 57? So his first year was 56-57. He was the only black player on either team in the 57 championship. Can you imagine that? That was in my lifetime. I was born in 55. Mm. You know, that's I always think it's amazing that when I watched Maravich, and Pete Maravich was the biggest show I ever saw in sports, bar none. I mean, Ali was probably, Ali I would say was probably number one, but uh, Maravich for every Saturday to get up to watch him. And Maravich did, and the SEC did not play against black ball players. That's amazing mm-hmm. when you think about it. He averaged 45 a game. His father was the coach, and the rest of the team stunk. So he had all the ingredients to be that good, but he, he was fantastic.
1: Yeah, and but, you know, Richard, thanks for the phone call. He had to be that good.
6: <laughs> Otherwise, they wouldn't have won any
1: games because you're right. the The rest of the team wasn't that great, and he performed. But it just goes to show you, Gordon, how far we've come. We still have ways to go. But we've come a long way, come a long way as far as equality in sports and the opportunities to perform and, and compete, you know, at the same level. Yeah, it's gotten better, but it can always get even better, right? Absolutely, absolutely. So, Gordon, today, very happy with the Mets. Yeah. Uh, very happy with, with Bassett, again, who's performing well. You mentioned uh, Vogelbach, who had a grand slam today. Also, Peter Alonzo had a solo shot in the game today. So, right now, right now the way the team is playing, they are playing – well going into this series with Atlanta. So, I mean, this is, for me, this is really interesting, right? Because it's the first time that we've got, you know, one-two available pitching-wise. It's the first time I really get a chance to see what this, you know, tag team DH is going to do. And so I'm really intrigued. And I think we're looking at an Atlanta team that's kind of come back a little bit, Gordon. They're yeah, not as hot as they were. They've come back a little bit uh but you know they've made some moves at the deadline so look ultimately for for me as a Mets fan this division is going to be settled by how we play Atlanta one on one i think both of, both teams will dominate the rest of the teams in the division dominate well philly i think it will be it's a wild card you never know you never know when their offense shows up and when they get a good pitching performance when that happens but i think you know it's really it's a two team race and if the Mets want to continue and make sure that they are not a wild card, they've got to win series against Atlanta. I don't expect them to sweep because Atlanta's a very good team, but you got to win series against Atlanta. Yeah, well, now
0: your team is is pretty much whole, right? The trade deadline is gone. Degrom is back. Now he might not be full blown uh, Degrom just yet. You know, if you get six innings out of him this time, that would be that would be great. You'd sign for that, but. You're gonna to get to see what you can do against the other team. Like this is it, right? Like the last time you played well against them. And I think the Mets are a better team. I think the Mets are a better team. They've played better than the Braves this year. The Braves still scare you because of their reputation, because of what they were able to do last year. But I think the Mets are a better team. But at the end of the day, it's about beating the other team. You're right. Like you don't expect either team to have a slump against the Phillies or the Marlins or the Nationals. Certainly. So it's probably the division's going to come down to how you do against each other. And it's nice the Mets have that wiggle room of having, you know, a four-game lead in the in the loss column, three and a half for the division. So you're in a good spot.
1: In a good spot. And and once again, you get a chance to see how these new acquisitions are going to be, Gordon. And see, that's the main thing for me. You want to get a taste. Because this is a big series, right? And so this kind of will give you an indication about what you can expect from these guys. Doesn't mean that they're going to perform a hundred percent all the time. I get that. But these are the impressions you want to see from your club. All right. When the new guys here, especially folks who've, who've come in, who are at teams who were, had no chance at being in the postseason. Uh, here's your opportunity now to make a difference and show that you can be part of a winning situation. I mean, for a guy like Vago back, Gordon, I mean, he was with the Pirates. I mean, give me a break. <laughs>
0: yeah, and we're going to see how that plays out, right? The Mets yeah. decided to go a very um, surprising way by going platoon at DH with Vogelbach and and Darren Ruff and and the relievers that they've brought in here and the other outfielder Na, Naquin or uh, yeah, is it Naquin right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. he'll get his opportunities. So they've made some good moves. They put together a good team. It's not the way I think you or I would have went at the trade deadline, but right. now we get to see how they integrate into the team and and at least you know. Vogelbach has been a plus so far. Givens was not so much today, but um, we'll see how it plays out here you've got you know you, you, it's not the same thing as the Yankees where the Yankees have such a huge division lead, but the Mets have a little bit of wiggle room here and and their goal is the same, even though yes. it's only three and a half. Their goal is not just to win the division, get into the playoffs, make the World Series, and win it all because that's the type of
1: team they have yep and and, and it's the type of manager you have. Yeah, right. I mean, you're
0: not uh, almost like Tom Thibodeau. You're not bringing Tom Thibodeau in for three years down the road. You, <laughs> nope. you know, you're, you're not bringing in Buck. I mean, I think he's good with. I think he has sure. a better w- hand with younger players than than Tibbs does. But you know, it, it's about winning now, and, yeah. and there's only one thing missing from Buck's resume, and that's a World Series appearance and a World Series win.
1: Yeah, no question about it. Eric's in Brooklyn. What's up, E?
2: Hey, how you guys doing, hey Eric? Hey, so just want to share something with you because I, uh, I. I'm from uh, from Seattle and live in Brooklyn now. Um, and everybody, there's kind of a lot of hand-wringing about the Yankees not doing as well lately as they did in the beginning of the year. Um, and I actually think it's good for them uh, because when I, was, when I lived in Seattle, I was there during the record-setting season, uh, and the Mariners didn't know how to lose. And they went into the playoffs with a glass chin, and they got down, and then I think it was actually the Yankees that knocked him out in that first series. Uh,
0: I think it was in the second series, but yeah, it was the Yankees that knocked him out. Uh, you know, I, I hear what you're saying, Eric. Like the Yankees were so hot, Thanks, why Eric. be concerned?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: the problem is, to me, is that this the, the way the Yankees have played here the last what is it, thirty five, thirty six games? That's kind of the team that I think a lot of us thought we were getting at the start of the season. Like there wasn't that many big changes. And when they got off to the start that they did and played you know at the rate that they were playing, everybody well, not everybody, but I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is amazing! I never thought that this was gonna happen, and now over these last you know almost forty games they've they've gotten back to five hundred, and it's not just that they've cooled off, but there's there's some there's some red flags. I'm not one to 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 predict doom and gloom at every single turn, like some are. But I would be lying to you if I didn't feel like that there were some red flags that are now showing up with this team. And and at the trade deadline, I didn't feel like they did enough. So mm-hmm. I hope I'm wrong. I hope they get back to playing uh, like they were earlier and, and start to snap out of it. But there are some – you know, it, it feels like there's a little bit of warning signs everywhere right now.
1: Well, I'll say this, Gordon. They weren't as good as they were earlier, and they're not as bad as they're playing right now. They're somewhere in the middle. And if they – I think you really have to reevaluate them – Uh, Gordon, once you get some of your offense back, I mean, you don't have Stanton. You you know, you're just getting your your bullpen back here. You're trying to figure out what your starting rotation's going to be. I think you have some encouraging signs. Uh, You know, some of the guys out of the bullpen have have, you know, LaWiseka looks better uh, since he's been back of late. You know, Um, Chapman is still a work in progress. But but I think you really have to evaluate it uh, once you get some pieces back. And the other thing is got be honest with you, Gordon, they look really tired today. Yeah, look, I mean, they look yeah, they, they, a little like flat. Of days ago, they look flat. I mean, mm. it's hard It's hard to have a 12-game lead, Gordon. You've had a big lead all the time. It's kind of hard. Listen, I'm not giving them excuses, but I'm just saying, you know, it gets in. And and I think uh, I was listening to the broadcast a little bit, and I agree with them. I think Benintende, well, he needs to go on the road. I think that'll get him that'll get him started a little bit, this pressure of playing, you know, in the stadium right away. And and once again, I'm not saying that he's gonna be Joey Gallo, God forbid. Oh. But I am saying that he can I think once he gets a couple of hits, that will get him going and that could spur on the bottom part of that lineup where he is. And and I think then you can get your offense going a little bit.
0: Yeah, maybe a little senioritis, right? Like you you know, you, you know that this is this is not really the important time. The important time is still to come, but they, they uh, I keep waiting to hear one of these Aaron Boone press conferences after one of these wins saying, you know, we got a lot of things to clean up because that's yeah. generally when they start to clean these things up. He has not said that, at least so far as I've heard. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep, he hasn't. Well, Gordon, uh, a funny thing happened in the National Football League today. <laughs> not ha-ha funny, but yes, I no. understand. No, not no, 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 no. Not ha-ha funny, but uh-oh funny. Yeah. <laughs> And I think uh, and we'll hear from Adam Schefter in a second. Uh, it's but it's funny, but you know what, Gordon? It's not in unexpected, right? Because we talked about that. We knew that the NFL really was going to have to make the effort to try to appeal the the uh, the ruling on uh, Deshaun Watson.
0: Yeah, I mean, that, that seemed like it was out there. It was just a question of whether or not they were going to push forward, but it looks like they are going to at least attempt to get that uh, penalty up further. Um, we shall see how that plays out. I mean, talk about a messy situation. And it felt like that the new uh, format of having the judge take care of it would add some clarity to these type of situations where the suspension would be out of the hands of Roger Goodell and it would be somebody else making the uh, – making the ruling, but it seems like this is, I mean, maybe because it's the case that it is, it's, it, it seems like it's
1: messier than ever. Yeah. No question. Here's Adam Schefter.
7: This is going to lead to a lot of different storylines and a lot of different tension and acrimony between the NFL an NFLPA, which is on course to wind up back in court again. And the NFLPA has fought all along for a neutral arbiter in these particular decisions. The NFLPA felt it was important to remove the commissioner from that particular spot where he would have the final say on these decisions. And by the way, the league agreed in the 2020 collective bargaining agreement where they have both appointed an independent, impartial judge in this particular case to make the final decisions. But the NFL, which tried to get out of that business, is now getting back in that business of having Roger Goodell or his designee make the final decision, which is going to draw the ire of the NFLPA. And the NFLPA already argued to Justice Sewell Robinson pointing out that players are not held to the same standard of conduct <laughs> as owners. Right. So now, if and when this case makes its way through the courts, I can promise you that there are going to be other people and other organizations brought into this. And it's going to involve other owners from other NFL teams. And the NFL PA is going to want to know why some of them were not held to the same standard of conduct that's expected of the players when in the NFL's bylaws and constitution it says that owners must be held to an even higher standard of conduct.
1: Yeah, Gordon, we, we, This is going to be a mess <laughs> because the first thing you think of is what's going on with Dan Snyder in the nation's capital, right? That that's the number one Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. That that that's the first thing that's going to pop up, and there's always been this thought process of. Well, you always pick on the players, you always do things against the players, but your owners get away with a ton of different things. And there's been a history of, you know, improprieties with owners as far as, you know, relations and, and, you know, inappropriate behavior and things of that nature that have gone on under their purview. Right. Not necessarily that the owners were involved, but things were going on. And hey, guess what? As the owner of the team, you're responsible for what happens. Yeah,
0: unfortunately, uh, it seems like the, uh, the owners, because of uh, the money that they have, the fact that they are owners, they can do really whatever they want, right? Like, it, you know, like the story we had yesterday about the Dolphins and uh, their owner, Stephen Ross, it, it, it seems like he, it's a shock to him that he can't just do whatever he wants, right? He's talking to players that are under contract. Oh, yeah, there are rules, but they're not really rules, He's talking to uh, quarterbacks that are under contract. He's talking to coaches that are under contract, and he's done this before. So it, it's clear the owners uh, don't feel like the rules apply to them, and you can understand why they don't because it seems like the rules don't <laughs> apply. Like if, if there was any other situation like Dan Snyder where an owner has, has been accused and has been documented of all these different things, you would think that there would have been some punishment along the way.
1: Yeah, has
0: it been. Uh, no and and it's kind of hard you know like any time you hear about well this owner they're going to get rid of this owner or that owner and they did get rid of Jerry Richardson with, mm-hmm. um, with the with the Panthers at a time but until something like that you know like those are the type of ones that you got to see it before you believe it
1: yeah and it shows you what has to happen for that to happen right, right? it's got to be like a ultimate it's got to be as bad as it gets okay for them for them to make a decision going against one of their own they're 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 in a fraternity here yeah, and part of me feels like you know with the NFL because like
0: I don't know how much credibility they have on these type of things. So it's all well and good for them to say that they're upset about this and they want a far more stringent punishment and they want this and they want that. But at the end of the day, if they don't get it, it makes them look good. And say, well, look, we wanted to have uh, it yeah. to be a twelve-game suspension. We wanted it to be an indefinite suspension. But you know the arbitrator ruled one way, and uh, we you know we fought it, but we weren't able to win. So it kind of washes their hand of the situation as well.
1: Speaking of the NFL side, here's what Adam Schefter had to say as to why they decided to appeal.
7: The judge in her decision wrote that Deshaun Watson's behavior was egregious and it was predatory. Deshaun Watson, on the other hand, continues to insist that he's done nothing wrong and has not shown remorse during this process and doesn't believe he has to because he still doesn't think that he did anything wrong. And you've heard him talk on multiple occasions how he wouldn't mistreat women that's not the way that he was raised. Now, I think where the public is having a hard time squaring all this, and the NFL is especially bothered by the appeal as evidence of that, is the fact that we look at the league's history and we look at some of the players who were suspended. And yes, this was the justice who made this decision. Not the NFL, not the NFLPA. Justice Sewell Robinson handed down the six-game suspension. But the fact of the matter is, the six games still was the same amount of time as DeAndre Hopkins got for a failed PED test. It was less than what Calvin Ridley got for betting on his team, gambling online. Now again, those are policies the league had in place. So it seems a bit inconsistent, but what you can say is the NFL's policies treated gambling and PEDs and steroids more seriously than acts like this over time. And I think the NFL recognized that loophole and is trying to address that here by appealing this particular decision, moving it forward, and trying to get Deshaun Watson suspended indefinitely.
1: So, so Gordon, is Schefter saying this is about... Optics.
7: I think that what
0: it really, really comes down to is that the arbitrator completely screwed this up, even yeah. by her own, even by her own ruling, by saying yeah. that it's predatory and egregious, and and looking at what other similar, not similar to this case, but what what other suspensions have been for far lesser things. I don't know how you come up with six games. Nobody's been able to explain to me how she came up with six games. Yeah. That that's the part that doesn't make any sense
1: about this. Yeah. Because ultimately, that's where everybody is scratching their heads, right? Exactly. It's the amount of games. It's the amount of games, and you would think that she, having all the information, all the, all the, you know, the information from both sides, she's got all the documentation from the NFL. Because I mean, the NFL did a thorough investigation, Gordon. Well, two years, <laughs> okay, right, of a thorough investigation. So she had all the information there. It just seems like six games just doesn't get it done. It it just doesn't. Here's what Dan Olafsky, all this was from NFL Live on ESPN. Here's what Dan Olowski, his reaction to the NFL appealing Watson's suspension
4: good job by the NFL. I commend the NFL. I thought that this was the right thing for them to do. Listen, the NFL in the past has missed opportunities to handle things the right way, and I really felt that this was a moment in time for Roger Goodell and his legacy and the NFL to say, you know what, maybe we didn't do things the right way in the past. It stops now, especially when it comes to women and sexual assault against women. I think it was a good job by the NFL going, I don't have to wait till Thursday morning at 9 a.m. We know that this is not what we want, what we believe in, what we see right, given mm. the findings that we've presented to the judge. And I think it's the right step for them. Um, the really interesting thing is, you know, when when Shefty, I liked how Shefty said it was the decision of the NFL to undermine the judge. No, it was the decision of the NFL to sit there and say, we got to get this right. Mm. You know, Roger Cadell, he could have walked away from this. He could have said, you know what? We appointed a third party. I don't want get- to No, Let's do this the right way and start a new NFL, so to speak, new way that they're going to handle things.
1: All right, so that's all well and good, and it, it fits here. But, Gordon, as we mentioned earlier, it's about what do you do going forward. If you're going to take this attitude, okay, and I'm not saying it's right or wrong, but if you're going to take this attitude here, then you got to be consistent. It has to, it has to be what anybody that does something that's against the rules. We always hear about protect the shield, right? We always hear about that. Well, you know what? Some of your owners aren't protecting the shield either. No. So, if this is the if this is what you're doing, and you're hiding this behind the shield, exactly. If you're making this statement about what's going on with Deshaun Watson, and we both agree that based on just just hearing what the ruling was from the judge and the language that there should have been more than six games, okay, just based on that, and knowing that she saw everything, then okay, I understand that you're going forward to appeal. Got it. But it can't just be with players, Gordon. It's got to be with one of your own. And these owners and front office people have to go through. They have to be held to the same standard. By your own admission, they should be held to a higher standard. That's not been what's happening. It better start happening now. Yeah,
0: I mean, I would just question, like, why did the NFL allow the contract to be signed and, and, and made official, right? Like, the, mm-hmm. the, the, the part of this, the, the Browns, they got too cute, right? Like, they, yep. they structured that contract so that he would not have to pay any real financial, um, you know, uh, punishment if he got suspended for the entire year. Uh, so why, why did the NFL – like, it's almost like the NFL is now surprised that he's going to get away with not paying any money as a result of the of the suspension. Uh, and not just that they're unhappy with the length of the suspension. like They're saying that they're going after his money as well. So uh, I don't understand why they didn't have a, a bigger issue when he signed the contract. I mean, it was clear to everybody at the time they, they made that contract and they stipulated that contract, and I'm sure it came from Deshaun Watson's camp to get a deal done. Like, this, if you want me, this is the one of the things I want. I want to not be paid any money this year so that if I get suspended, I'm not going to lose any money this year. Why did the NFL allow that contract to be approved?
1: It was clear, Gordon, they <laughs> – even, even Cleveland thought he was going to be suspended for the year. Yeah, even yep. they thought so. That's why this, they made the contract the way they did. Of course,
0: and they're 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 they have to be ecstatic that the, the 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 ruling came down. And look, that part of the legal part of it, like now that the arbitrator has ruled, I don't know how you're going to be able to go into court and argue that the judge in the, uh, the was the arbitrator. Uh, was was flawed. I mean, you'd have to you'd have to argue that she was flawed, right? Like yeah. she, her reasoning was flawed, or there was something wrong with the process that she went through to be able to change what it is moving forward. Uh, I, I don't know how that plays out. Uh, I think it works out for the NFL. Either way, it works out. It works out better for them to appeal it because everybody seems like I'd say four out of five people are upset with what the punishment was. Mm-hmm. Uh, outside of Browns fans, who are probably ecstatic. So if the NFL fights it and wins, great. It makes the league look, oh, look, we're really taking this seriously. And if they fight it and lose, well, we try to take it seriously, but the judge, you know, the arbitrator messed it up, and then we went to court and we couldn't change it that way. We wanted it to be more, but it is what it is. So I think the NFL wins in this either way. What do you want us to do? Right, <laughs> hey, exactly. Our hands are tied. You know, <laughs> everybody said we wanted it out of Goodell's hands, so we gave it to the arbitrator, and uh, this is what she and, – and to me – that is uh, that. That's a huge miss. Like the fact that the it would be one thing if the arbitrator went through the evidence and said, "Well, I don't really, I, I don't find these people credible, or I don't find the that this thing was was um, something that's punishable by the policy." That's not what she said. She used the terms egregious and predatory. Yeah. I don't know how you come up with six games. To me, that's where the whole thing went off the rails. This is ESPN New York Tonight
3: with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.